Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. much indeed for your company really appreciate you joining me lots to talk about goodness me i say that every day but it really is an awful lot uh, to talk about today uh, all three of those uh, stories could easily be leading uh, any uh, any news day uh, any day of the week all i mean all i think frankly absolutely shocking what's going to be talking about unemployment uh, which we touched on yesterday falling to 4.3 percent and those uh, uh, statistics on child obesity uh, during lockdown uh, rate rising up as well uh, my guest joining me all this morning in the studio would like to say is Matthew Lash he's head of research at the Adam Smith Institute the free market think tank good morning to you good morning Julia I'm sorry I'm just about to sneeze <laughs> I'm trying to speak while you're about to try not to sneeze the worst feeling uh, there we go uh, it's gone um, let's talk first of all about um, MPs and second jobs. Been this big outcry for a very long time. Uh, well, a long time. It feels like a very long time. Uh, it was all after the uh, botched attempt by the government to save Owen Patterson's skin. Former cabinet minister caught, frankly, banged to rights uh, by the, uh, uh, the, the, the the authorities in Parliament over being paid by a lobbying company to lobby. It's against the rules. Everyone knows it was against the rules. He got done for it. I'm, I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. Um, the attempt to try and save him, to, to sort of change the entire system to save him uh, and then give him an appeal, right, and things like that, uh, basically did not go down well. We've now had this massive, massive look into, I mean, the base of the microscope is on every single MP who's got any outside earnings. Um, and, and it's very much become a party political matter. All the Tory MPs are at it and none of the Labour MPs are. It's not quite the <laughs> case. Um, but um, there was obviously a lot of pressure the Prime Minister to do something about this. Uh, we basically saw Keir Starmer announce he was going to make a statement yesterday at 3.30. I mean, w- seconds to go, Boris Johnson releases uh, his letter that he's written to the Speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, calling for MPs to be banned from second jobs as consultants and to have a, 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 a parliamentary procedure and have a vote and, and various other issues there. Didn't go as far as what Keir Starmer had to say, but Keir Starmer was then put on the back foot having to say, oh, well, it, this is a Labour victory. Um and uh, Labour want a binding vote on the issue of second jobs today. But a lot of this is a, is a row about what kind of second jobs. I mean, do we have an issue with an MP, say, doing a little bit of radio or TV broadcasting or writing an article? Do we have an MP, an MP who's writing a novel or an MP who's working as a doctor 
uh, as well. I'm, I'm thinking most people don't. So what are the jobs that we're unhappy about MPs doing? Well, I think that's the important point here, which is there's fundamentally nothing wrong. In fact, you could say it's a good thing that MPs have a diversity of experience and professional backgrounds, and you don't necessarily want them to, to put that all aside. If you're a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse, you should be able to continue practicing uh, as you were before entering parliament. Where I think the important distinction is, is when that becomes uh, a consultancy for the purposes of political lobbying, where you're not there as a second job because you know your pre-existing skills or your yeah. talents but rather because not you because are you're an a, not because you're a great engineer and that yeah but because but because you because you are now an mp mm. you're being asked to do this this job exactly and, th- and then it inevitably becomes even if you're not directly lobbying lobbying you're using your knowledge and your talent your skills potentially even you're passing along contacts yeah. to who, who you're consulting for now i think that it's going to have to be drafted very carefully that the problem is of course you get a moral outrage people jump into something they make mistakes in drafting and it impacts people too harsh, harshly so I, I don't think necessarily every consultancy is evil and wrong every um action of the second job is evil and wrong no. you need a very specific and limited change yeah. that's that's very well that's it i mean then you look at say someone like jeffrey cox apparently you know, five and a half million quid in earnings not people very unhappy about i think people are more upset about him earning a lot of money than mm. else. um could he do his job from the british virgin islands um I would argue no, not as well. But then if everything was on Zoom, did it matter that it was on Zoom from the British Virgin Islands or at his home? Um, I think there's some question marks there. It's about the amount of time, isn't it, that that people are spending on these other jobs. If it's something you're doing at the weekend or in the evenings or maybe on a Friday afternoon, okay, question mark. But I want to know that your constituents never have a letter go unanswered or wait for anything. If if you are just super duper and organised, you can do that. Fair enough. But otherwise... Come on, your set your first job is going to be is going to be lacking a little bit there. But um, if you are spending, I mean, Boris Johnson was saying, you know, your your main priority needs to mm. be your first job. He was editor of the Spectator magazine. <laughs> now, I'm no phrase else the editor of the Spectator magazine appears to me to be to be a full time job. Yeah, this this is the other rule change. And he was a backbench MP. Mm, this is the other rule change of proposing to put a specific provision in to say that uh, an M- being an MP must be your primary job. I mean, uh, apparently Boris was relatively absent when he was uh, Spectator editor. He he uh, delegated very successfully so he'd you know choose the front page and let everyone else do all the all the grunt work or, or whatever how, else how very unlike boris jobs i know a, a delegator in chief uh, at times mm. i think it is kind of interesting here though because you do have let's say an mp who's almost also an msp and that msp happens to be douglas ross who's the, the leader of the conservatives up up in scotland mm. and you have to wonder it's a similar you, job though it's a similar representing job, a lot of the same people but it, it, under these rules it's not clear to me whether or not that he, would be allowed. It would be allowed. Uh, and there's there's examples MPs who's mm. kind of a Lord Mayor. W- what is your primary job? So again, it's it's the unintended consequences of, of these rules changes. Yeah, and when really the issue is is lobbying consultancies. But mm. apparently there's, big, there's a huge backlash from Tory MPs uh, on the backbench, the United Twenty Select Committee, so Graham Brady, uh, there are an awful lot of people earning, um, you know, nice little learners. Um, 29 Tory MPs are consultants. Um, so there, there, there are lots of, um, lots of little loopholes where if it's not a political consultancy, but I think... I think we'd all know. I think if someone was you know, brought before us and we were sort of the jury of the voters, <laughs> is this job conflicting with your job as an MP, either in terms of your who you're representing or in terms of how it's influencing you, how you would vote or or like the amount of time you're using? I think we'd all I think 99 percent of us would have the same answer for every single one. I think I think you're yes right. Or no. And and Jeffrey Cox makes this point quite elegantly that ultimately at every single election he's faced um, that the Lib Dems and Labour have made allegations about his second job. 
job as a QC. Constituents know. But the constituents know. And and he's yeah. very talented and he yeah. can do lots and, of things. And we do need to make a big difference between sleaze, someone breaking the rules, mm. someone taking, you know, brown, you know, envelope uh, full of full of cash for doing something dodgy or something like that, asking questions he wouldn't have asked otherwise. That's dodgy. That's sleaze. That, that's criminal. Um, but and and. And someone plying their trade, earning their money, maybe got a property portfolio or doing something. That's not sleaze. That's just people earning a living. I really think we do need to separate the two. I don't think we should say, you know, all MPs are, are, are crooks and all MPs are up something. That, there is really no evidence for that. We have actually, I do think uh, we do actually have a pretty, pretty clean system. Let's talk about um, what what happened with MPs in Parliament yesterday, though. The um, the, I mean, extraordinary testimony, I think. Mm. It, it, often we're told there's going to be explosive te- testimony in, in Parliament in front of the Digital, Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee um, yesterday with Azim Rafiq, the former uh, England and uh, Yorkshire County Cricket Club cricketer. Um, and often it doesn't live up to expectations in terms of the shock value. Uh, it, it really did. We knew a lot of what Azim Rafiq had said already in terms of being called the P word and... And 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 the these the, the racism he endured, um, and bearing in mind this is not just allegation. I mean, it has been accepted by Yorkshire Cricket Club that this was what was happening. They have accepted that. Um, the question mark was that, was that they seem to think it was banter, mm. and a lot of the white players apparently seem to think it was banter. Um, I'm 53. <laughs> At no point in my lifetime has the use of the word of the p word ever ever been considered banter. It has always been used as a term of abuse. I know it's I know it's short for being Pakistani, but it's not short in the same way that Aussie is short for Australian because Aussie hasn't been used as a term of abuse mm. by thugs chasing young you know, Asian children down the street. I'm sorry. It, it, we all know it. It's not difficult, is it? Um, this was commonplace. What he told us yesterday about just... It was just the norm that you would be treated um, uh, uh, differently. At 15 years old, having red wine poured down his throat, A, underage, B, a Muslim, and mm. therefore not drinking alcohol, um, is, is absolutely sure. I mean, it defies belief that this was happening really not very long ago at all. Mm, it is it is revolting and disgusting and, and, and truly shocking that this kind of culture was was allowed to, to perpetrate. It wasn't just the use of the P word. It was things like you'll sit over there near the toilet, elephant washes. Um, it's it just this ongoing process of abuse. And you could just feel the raw emotion of it, the, the breaking down in tears. This this wasn't banter, or at least by um, by standards, not banter at all. This this was, was genuine racial abuse yeah. um, in the club. And, and the, the people responsible don't seem to have faced any kind of repercussions or um, um, and the repercussions now are rippling out with some of the players who've been criticised who again who just thought it was banter well I mean, let's have a little listen um, to uh, uh, Azim Rafiq talking about the incident involving the wine my first instance uh, of drinking I actually got pinned down at my local cricket club um, and red wine got poured down my throat how old were uh, you? 15 15 you're a Muslim 15 Fifteen-year-old, um, I got um, literally uh, down my throat. Um, the player played for Yorkshire, played for Hampshire, um, and yeah, it was quite a experience. Um, I didn't touch, um, I didn't touch alcohol t- till about around 2012. Um, also, let's uh, let's hear what Zim Rafiq had to say just about I me. Mean, some of the comments you've just uh, mentioned there, Matthew. Lesh. Uh, in terms of just the just the day to day use of of language in the dressing room, pretty early on, um, 
me and other people uh, from Asian background. There was comments such as, you lot sit over there near the toilets, um, elephant washers, uh, the word was used constantly, and there just seems to be an acceptance in the institution um, from the leaders, and no one, no one ever stamped it out. Um, I'd like to point out, brother, we are, we are going to be beeping out or blanking out um, uh, the language there. And there's been a bit of an outcry on social media about we need to hear what people say. You know, Sky and BBC were criticised, but, um, you know, there are Ofcom rules and, you know, people do have, you know, children listening and, and, and a lot of people just simply don't want to hear that language. We know the words that we use. That, that we're not we're not trying to in any way sort of, you know, cleanse it and make it less shocking. It, it's just that. I think these words are, are horrible. We know the words. We know, we, we know what was said. Um, in terms of what happens, Mastridesh, now, um, on this, I mean, we've seen a load of heads roll. We've got new, you know, new chairman, new chief exec and everything at, at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. It does seem to be spreading to other cricket clubs. Essex as well, there are allegations there. Uh, it does seem that they were just stuck in the 1950s. It, it is quite extraordinary how recently that this was this was undertaken. I think you're right that... I just can't imagine this this being acceptable in in polite society, and it's it's a tra- tragedy personally for Azim that he was treated this way. Yeah. He he left early. He uh, courageously chose not to take hush money. Yeah, um, and all credit him. People say, "Oh, he's doing it for the money." He he turned down. He said the no to the money because he didn't want to be gagged. Which which is quite extraordinary. But I think it also, in as he made this point, that it's a loss of talent to, to cricket. There are so many great people who could be playing cricket who aren't because of this kind of abuse that they've experienced, um, as well as to all the fans out there who um, might be from this background, who, who just are going to be feeling completely alienated by the clubs that they support and, and thought they loved and, and thought loved them in return. I think it's quite disgusting. It's, it's the fact that it was happening and no one thought it was, no one thought it was a big deal. Yeah. That, that's the bit that... I completely accept people say things in banter, but dressing room banter. So, you know, my family, some of the things we say to each other, you know, terrible, you know, you know oh, that would sound awful. But mm. you kind of accepted the deal. And, the, and people feeling that they need to play along with it yeah. so that they're not, you know, they're not targeted more. That's just bullying. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, it is. It becomes this this kind of toxic norm. It, it, yeah. If everyone's doing it, everyone else does it, it, it seems to become acceptable without really thinking about the impact it's having I, on the person yeah. you're saying I it to. I just can't imagine what, what world a lot of these white cricketers were living in where they, A, did it themselves and B, turned a blind eye to it and didn't say, sorry, um, I'm not for having a laugh and taking the mick out of people, but uh, no, I won't, this is not acceptable. I find it extraordinary that anyone living in the modern age in the last 10 15 years could possibly have ever thought that any of this was acceptable it, it defies belief frankly it really does at 6 46 this time yeah we are going to get onto the small small matter of a terror attack on, on sunday at uh, liverpool hospital home secretary Priti patel has said the suspected terror attack in liverpool was able to exploit britain's asylum system to remain in the country and the now accusations against the church of england helping asylum seekers to uh, well convert to christianity not necessarily in a uh, very uh, sincere way in a, a bid to get round the asylum seeker rules the breakfast briefing with julia hartley brewer on talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.